Objectively rank every single album ever released in one ultimate single-tiered list. I'm your host, Josh Doller, and uh, with me today is the incredibly laid-back Jared Richard. Jared, how you doing? Uh, you know me, I'm relaxed. Never felt a lick of anxiety in my life. No, not at all. Uh, f- feel, y- yeah. <laughs> You're feeling 22, as they like to say. I don't know about you. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I worked in a Macy's. Ah, <laughs> uh, so as always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, really kind of anywhere that you you find the podcasts where you listen to the to the podcasts. Uh, rate and review us. You can do that on Spotify now. That's something that happened since the last time we recorded. Is Spotify introduced to the ability to rate and review podcasts? Oh, I didn't know that. So if you're out there, give us a rate and a review, preferably five stars, but like. We want people to listen to this, and that's a great way to get people to listen to it. Also, just tell a friend. Be like, hey, do you want to waste, like, two hours of your life each week listening to some dudes? <laughs> just like Two hours minimum, let's be real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just talking about music and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, as referenced, uh, we have not done this for a hot second. No. Uh, both of us entered into what is affectionately being called in pro sports circles, health and safety protocols. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how much affection is uh, really present in that uh, in that statement. It's the most like, how can we say you got COVID without saying <laughs> you got COVID? <laughs> uh, yeah, so both of us came down with mostly mild Omicron, yeah, COVID. I mean, so it it was over very quickly for me. You had a you had a much worse time with it than I did. Mm. Uh, I I had like one night of a high fever, and then I was just kind of tired the re- for like right maybe five days after that. Yeah, and so like about a week after you like got past your symptoms. I had to come over and like low key quarantine with y'all because right. <laughs> someone, I I was negative, but uh, someone else was positive. I'm like, well, I they just got over COVID, so if I got it, they, I, this is the least likely place I'm going to spread it. Right. So and then I I came down positive, and then for an entire week that was like a Thursday, mm-hmm. and then it took me until Monday to not feel like I wanted to die. Mm. With just with a, a horrible fever and an incredibly swollen throat. And it was, I, I, I had so much soup. <laughs> I bet. I had so much soup. And it was great because uh, there was that moment where I was like, am I just about to pass out because I haven't slept well? Because I have a 100 degree fever? Because I haven't ate anything today or haven't drank water? Or am I just dying because of COVID? That was that was a fun thing. <laughs> <laughs> just rolling a rolling a dice. Yeah, rolling a dice super fun. Break. But yeah, uh, before we both entered health and safety protocols, uh, we had a pretty fun New Year's Eve. Yeah, uh, my band. Uh, man, we have really have not done this in a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, my band Show Tigers. We played at Infinity Room. Uh, and it was a blast. It was, uh, kind of the first full-fledged music performance on that stage. Right, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it was so much fun. 
uh it felt incredible uh everything there like uh, we've, been, we've been working setup. so hard to get to get it to where it was um and yeah uh we're all pretty happy with how it turned out for New you Year. should be that was one of the better spaces like it's a small ish space right. it's 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 a small little club type type vibe right but just fantastic acoustics fantastic just everything you guys also killed it you can i've i have seen many of your shows <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh and i think it was definitely like one of the best like two two or three if not the best show that i've seen you guys do live it, it, it was felt good energy. like that yeah. it was it was very much kind of like uh it felt like home home court advantage mm, that's fair yeah. uh plus like the court got fucking like remodeled you know uh <laughs> to make it even more yeah and and on top of that we were playing to a lot of people who had never seen us before oh really um, okay cool because it was a split show it was it was uh, a block of comedy and then a block of music mm. we were the block of music and uh we didn't we didn't heavily advertise that it was happening right um with the intent that a lot of the audience was going to be coming for the comedy and then and then would be uh, exposed to us right would expose themselves to us you, they or would we would expose ourselves to them we were going to expose ourselves to each other exactly yes <laughs> a lot of exposure happening <laughs> Um, and yeah, it, uh, it went off without a hitch until like two days later when I developed a cough. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Um, yeah. So I, the week before that spent five day, no, six days on a train mm -hmm. going from Portland to Chicago, spending the night in Chicago and going back. Uh, incredibly fun. Met some super cool people, uh, met some super interesting people uh, <laughs> interesting but not cool uh so the like most interesting but just like stop talking to me person that i met was a dude uh an old man sorry who so more like the dude than a dude okay he <laughs> what his big claim to fame with anytime he talks to anyone who like grew up in the Portland-ish area, the the Valley, is that he used to be a station manager for one of the conservative talk radio sh stations in Portland. Wow. And he's the person who hired Lars Larson. Oh. And he's very proud of the fact that he hired Lars Larson, and he's the fact that he has a career, and he still hangs out with that man. Hmm. So that he was talking about that, and I was just like... Okay, can you please stop talking to me? I really just want nothing to do with you. And then he was like, let's talk about the homelessness issue that's plaguing America. And he was like, the government needs to spend way more money on homelessness programs. I'm like, I don't know what's happening right Whoa! now. <laughs> yeah! It's like, uh, you know, I like, I haven't looked too much into it myself, but I know that there's a sort of... Uh, understanding that there wasn't such a massive split between uh, uh, conservative and liberal uh, in in America uh, until like yeah around the 1970s I want to say 70s it 80s kinda... it's it's mostly when uh, Reagan came into power it's, yeah that's yeah Reagan. yeah um, not not to say that. Uh, uh, the the centrist nature of that sort of uh, more cohesive uh, uh, split 
or lack thereof yeah. was uh, necessarily a better place for America to be. The but he- the hegemonology, hegemonology, hegemony, hegemony. Thank you of America uh, back when you know it was just the whites is maybe not yeah. the best thing. But anyways, moving past. So that was like the most negative. Uh, interesting person that I, I met, but you know, met so, a really cool person heading out uh, to visit some family in Montana. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a bunch of like not Mennonites, but basically Mennonites, like a subsection of Mennonites, which is like a subsection of Amish. Right. That <laughs> all, I, I, bo- all boarded the train at the same place and. Was it my cousins? I was it my second cousin? I mean, it might have been. It was the middle of nowhere in, uh, oh, not Minneapolis, but the state that Minneapolis is in Minnesota. Uh, and then they were just on the train to Chicago. And I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> all right, sure. There must be some big thing happening in Chicago at the moment. You turn around um, and you go from being on like this modern this modern uh, 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 Amtrak and yeah. you suddenly you're on like a steam locomotive. <laughs> So what it kind of felt, and they were all speaking that like low Pennsylvanian, like Germanic Dutch, the entire oh. time as well. And so you're just sitting, you're just listening to like what amounts to like pedantry Germanic language, just like in the middle of like Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and you're like, this is. They've been on Very, the train. You, you were teleported. You yeah. didn't just travel on this train, but you, was you teleported. Yeah, you didn't just tr- travel through through physical space. I, I but, also traveled but through tra- time. Traveled temporally through time. Yeah, um, got to Chicago six hours late because it's an Amtrak train, and that's what happens: is you get delayed. Yeah. Uh, and then I was just like, "Well, fuck it, I'm still going out." Attempted to go out to the uh, hotel bar of where I was staying. Uh-huh. They're like, "Okay, yeah, no, they're open till like." 11 midnight or whatever it was cool i get down there like yeah no holiday hours were we closed five minutes ago damn and this is at like 10 at night and i'm like shit okay well i guess i'll just go find i'm in downtown chicago set the second city as they like to say surely there's there was like one bar open oh in man. like a walking distance and then i stayed there Wait, way too long, way longer than I planned. Uh, but I got started talking to some people at the bar, as you do, right? And uh, they were just like, "Hey, you're not from here. You should have the shot of Malore. It's a Midwest staple." I'm like, "What is it?" And like, just have it. Mm. It tasted horrible, mm-hmm. but it was very alcoholic. Ah. Uh, and then I don't remember the rest of the night, and I lost my wallet. <laughs> Oh, brutal. Great uh great story. Great story. I no one used any of my cards. I got all like I replaced everything. Like not the worst losing a wallet situation one could have had. Certainly. But definitely a memorable experience. It pro- I'm sure that uh I'm sure that some it, it it was brought to the bar and and was kept there. <laughs> And they were like, "Man, hope this guy comes back before the before he's back." I, in called, Oregon. I called so Goes many places. I, I called all the places. I was like, "I know this is in nowhere, but whatever, you know." Well, it had to have been the last place you were at, right? Yeah, but you don't remember the last. No, place I do were. remember the last place I was at, and I went there. I don't. I don't remember the walk. I don't. I don't remember the walk back to the hotel. 
basically. Uh, I remember where you I'm... probably got your wa- you probably lost your wallet at the last bar you were at. Realized it, went back to the bar, and then as you were walking out of the bar, so you, obviously you, you yeah. uh, were checking to make sure everything was there. Then went to go put it in your pocket, and it just, it just out, missed. Yeah. Obviously, and uh, now here, it... here you sit. Now it's in some trash can and and some landfill in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. But it doesn't matter, you know? Well, speaking of trash cans... (laughs) Oh, goodness, that's a (laughs) transition I was going for. Speaking of not really caring uh, about what happens to you and being incredibly drunk, let's talk about Jimmy Buffett. (laughs) We're starting with the Buffmeister. We're, We're starting with... Mr. Margarita Ville himself. We're starting with the Buffster. Changes in Latitudes. Changes in Attitudes by Jimmy Buffett. You can't have one without the you other. You can't. Friend. No, it's it's true. The more your latitudes change, the more your attitudes change. It's a it's a proven fact. Uh, this album was released on January twentieth, nineteen seventy seven. It was his seventh studio album. Wow, what a coincidence! Yeah. Um, so here's everyone who is part of the musical act because I'll get into it as well but it's not just Jimmy Buffett himself doing everything you know it's it's right. a very classic 70s pop singer songwriter you put the the one guy's name who writes the majority of the right. songs and then but there's a it. bunch of musicians right um so Jimmy Buffett composer guitar acoustic guitar primary artist vocals uh Roger Barlett also did guitar David Bryant contributed to vocals uh Kenny Buttrey did congas and drums Harry Daly did bass and vocals. Michael Gardner did drums. Michael Jeffrey did guitar and vocals. Sheldon Curlin uh, did some string work. Pharrell Morris did percussion. Billy Pute uh, did flute, horn, and recorder. Wait, uh, Pute's on the flute? Pute's on the flute. <laughs> uh, Norbert Putnam was a producer and also did string arrangements. Uh, Greg Fingers Taylor was a composer and also he's the harmonica. Ah, uh, and then Michael um, Utley was uh, an arranger, did organ, keyboards, piano, and also some string arrangements. String arrangements. Okay. Uh, so that is everyone that constitutes the band known as the Coral Reefers. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> so it's Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefers. Because uh, you know, they, why couldn't they be like Jimmy Buffett and, and the and the Buff Buns, the Buff Bun, well, well, the Buff Bun baby? It's a double entendre because uh, yeah, right. Coral Reef, yeah, Reef, yeah. like the uh, but and then, then Reefers, token, yeah. yeah, you got because you because you they would wear, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so Jimmy Buffett is kind of the forefather slash one of the only people in what is called a few different things. Uh, Gulf and Western is one of the ways that it's described. Trop rock is another one. Shrop? Like tropical. Oh, trop rock. Okay. Trop rock. Uh, yacht rock is another derisive one. Yeah, that's that's how I know it. Um, so Jimmy Puffett actually started as like a country music artist mostly. I can and, definitely hear that. And then as he um, was trying to get gigs in, in Nashville and whatnot, uh, he went down to a gig in Miami. Mm-hmm. He went down a, a week before he actually had the gig because the person booking it just told him the wrong dates. Oh, So he went and hung out with one of the people that he was uh, booked on the show with and just randomly he was like, hey man, let's go down to um, Key West, Florida. 
the the Florida Keys. Let's just go down, hang out there, like Florida right. Keys, and that changed the trajectory of his entire life and whatnot, basically. So he went to Kokomo, met the Beach Boys. Yeah, exactly. Um, He grew up in Alabama, um, and his grandfather was big into boating, so he, like, had been around, like, the Gulf and all that stuff, so that was always part of his growing up and him as a person, but going to Key West before it was, like, Key West. Right. This was when it was, like, kind of a rundown. People went there as... Because I, I believe it used to be, like, an old, like, military hub and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff, like, just incredibly laid back, whole, like, nothing but holes in the walls, not the insane tourist destination that it is. Right. So that's where he cut his teeth with a lot of his early um, studio records and stuff like that. Um, and so that's kind of where the sound, like, the taking the influence of the Caribbean sound... There's a lot. There's a lot of white person. Uh, yeah, I cultural I, appropriation going on with this music as well. We'll, we'll get into it, but yeah. the uh, yeah, it, it so much of it feels like this is this feels like a whitewashed version of this style of music. Oh like, yes, the various styles throughout the album, but uh, like. Yeah, it's so so much so yeah, no. much of it just feels like this is not it's it's a combination of pop mu- like pop singer songwriter, country music right. and uh, a little bit of blues rock. Yeah, for sure. And Caribbean I- island in quotes music. Right. Um together. Yeah, but so him living in in Key West that like shaped his entire musical trajectory and so this is what um this album and specifically one of the songs off of this margaritaville is what propelled him into insane popularity right okay um basically based off of this he built an empire because he is apparently he is very good live Okay. He has very dedicated fans, similar uh-huh. to how like the Grateful Dead or I was, Fish. I was have, about like, to say, I yeah. feel like uh, I feel like Jimmy Buffett has a Grateful Dead style following. Yes, like people people will like journey and pay a lot of money to see a but Jimmy Buffett tribute band. Right. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. No. This it like they're called parrot heads. Because huh. uh, yeah. Um, and it's all just like Hawaiian shirts, uh, laid back, incredibly boozy. Like it's it's exactly what you think of when it's like. Let's let's get into the album a little bit. Um, divorcee dad energy. Okay. Just like big divorcee dad energy, trying to be the cool yeah. dad, but like in your fifties. Right. Um, this album. Uh, sorry, one last thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Buffett is considered, like, a lot of respected musicians, like, one of their favorite singer-songwriters. Like... Huh. On purpose? On purpose. Bob Dylan loves Jimmy... Loved Jimmy Buffett. Roy Orbison also really enjoyed him. Alan Jackson, country music. Wait, okay. So, but hear me out. What if... What if Bob Dylan's like, I love Jimmy Buffett... And then in parentheses, but nobody noticed the parentheses because he makes my music seem so much better. I think, (laughs) I think Jimmy Buffett is like a very specific vibe, Mm -hmm. like a very, very specific, like, 
And I'm sure yeah. that that in the time period that that this album was released, where there weren't several uh, sort of uh, several acts or or albums sort of aping that that sound, right? Although the sound itself is kind of aped. Anyway. I, I know what you're saying. When it was a little more fresh and new. Yeah. And it's a little less self-serious. Like, this is a late 70s album. 60, late 60s, most of the 70s was a lot of, like, pretty serious, like, pop music at that time. Because it's a lot of Bob Dylan, a lot of um, the counterculture 60s stuff right. going on. Rolling Stones, Beatles. Like, everyone trying to, like, chase that, like, how do we be serious musicians? Uh-huh. And so then this guy who comes along and is just like, I don't know, man. I know, like, three chords, and I can sing kind of well. And, and I'm I just wear gonna... flip-flops. Yes, and I'm just going to talk about, like, being drunk on a beach. Like, I can see how that there's an appeal there. Like, it's a very yeah. cultural correction that's going yeah, on in, like, the general pop culture. No, for sure. It's a... Uh, realm. You know, it's comparing... Uh, sort of some more serious uh, pop artists like uh, well Adele released an album recently we'll right, go, yeah. go with that uh, versus artists that sort of focus most of their lyrical content on partying yes dancing getting for sure. fucked up this and this is that that might be sort of the yeah I can kind of get that Jimmy Buffett is basically LMFAO, but for the 70s. <laughs> uh, well, hey, let's... Uh, yeah, how let's, about we okay, get... let's get into it. Um, um, overall takes? Overall take. Uh, my hottest take about this album is that there's an alternative universe where Jimmy Buffett leans more into, like, the... Yeah, this lifestyle is actually giving me nothing in, like enjoyment or love oh or, yeah like turning it into a serious thing and being yeah. like this this is an example of why this lifestyle is not okay to lead and like you should be well, looking for more out of life yeah. than like there's an alternative universe where like that's where he went right like i could easily see that he gets yeah. he, he like kind of just barely grazes it on like two tracks yeah um but overall like I don't think this is a relaxing album either. So like going for the like relaxing sound, it's just like that. It, it doesn't have it for me either. It's it so. almost it almost uh, if if I may. No, please <laughs> tell tell me. It almost uh, comes across as trying so hard to be relaxing mm. that it that it can be that it's anything but. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like when you're like, okay, I need to fall asleep. I need to fall asleep. I need to fall asleep, and you just are sitting there thinking about how much you need to fall asleep, and because of that, you won't fucking relax. Yeah, and then you're just being like, why am I not asleep right now? I know I need to be asleep right it's, now. It's yeah. like it's like every step, step of the recording process, he was like, how can we make it more relaxing? How yeah. can we make it more relaxing? And the sound engineers were like, I guess we could try doing this. I guess we could try doing this. And then uh, it all added yeah. up to be like... Ah, <laughs> That was not a rep- good representation of the no, album. No. <laughs> Before we go too much farther, I should have said up front, this is a family and friends episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this The reason we're doing this album is because my parents, not music people, my mom is really likes classical because she plays piano, but like mm-hmm. they're not really music people. They fucking love Jimmy Buffett so goddamn much. Like, they're, they are not, like, parrot heads. Like, they don't do... They're not super fans, but, like, 
they're the he's the one artist that they're like yeah let's listen to some jimmy buffett this is what we do when we were like in a good mood type thing do you think if i may uh-huh do you think you were conceived to jimmy buffett josh i don't think that <laughs> um that means my parents would have to intentionally have sex <laughs> And I think it's... <laughs> and that certainly never happened. It's certainly never happened. Always been an accident. And we're like, oh, I guess we're here. Oh, shit, how'd we get here? Type type deal, you know? <laughs> so uh, thanks, Dad, for recommending this album for us to listen to. The, uh, th- thanks a lot. Uh, I can't remember your dad's first name. Jerry. Was... Jerry. Oh, wow, that should be easy to remember. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Plenty. Jerry. Yeah. Jerry Dolder. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so let's now mercilessly just destroy this album by starting at the very beginning. Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes, the title track. And one of the better tracks on this album, I, I would say. Yeah, it's fine. It's it, it it's it's a pop song. It is. The best tracks on this album, you can say, exist. Um, <laughs> there's so much fucking phaser on this song, though. Oh, yeah. On the guitars. Like, every single track oh yeah it is, hits you right in the face and you're like that's uh that phase 90 is definitely still a new pedal at this point oh yeah huh? and, the, and everyone is just like oh wow look at this pedal Ooh, it does a wow and it's wah. simple there's only one knob right <laughs> and it's like how fast or how slow that goes also uh the first introduction of harmonica as well which uh i forgot that harmonica what used to be a very important instrument in a lot of music as well. fine it's a it's a fine song the backing band is obviously competent um yeah um <clears throat> yeah it's it like he, he has a like he has a pretty okay like his voice isn't bad well, it's nothing see, special yeah but it's, no it's, that's that's the thing is that he doesn't he doesn't have a, a front man voice to me he doesn't have a band leader voice to me it feels he, it feels very um it feels it's very that, country music that's, to me. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Is that in a in a country music context, and and I mean like like actual country, yeah, not modern country, not modern pop country, yeah. Uh, which we should uh, we should probably put some we country should, albums yeah. on our I list. I agree. Um, but uh, yeah, in in the context of a country band. Uh, I think he's got a, a swell voice. Yeah, and he has that like little bit of a southern drawl to yeah, it absolutely. as well. Um, I think especially in the time it was coming out, that's when like classic country, you know, like Johnny Cash mm-hmm. style, uh, Woody Guthridge. Um, oh God, who's the other one? <laughs> I think There's... you just combined two names there. <laughs> no, Woody uh, Guthrie. Yeah, you said Guth- Guthridge. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, I meant Guthrie. Um, no, who's the? Uh, there's the, the one, the one big one. Uh, his son also does it, and it's a junior. Fuck, Hank Williams, and uh, yeah, there was one other one that that's on my mind, but I just can't get to. Anyways, like that very classic, traditional, and the 
kind of transition into 80s, 90s, Toby Keith, Alan Jackson, Dirk Bentley, like right. that more kind of... You are much more poppy. well-versed in country than I am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, he, I think his voice fits really well within that kind of transitional period. Like, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it definitely... I just feel uh, like there's not much... Um, I don't. I, I feel like just specifically about his voice that there mm-hmm. isn't really anything there that distinguishes him as like a singer. A, a, not yeah, as like a lead singer, as somebody who would use his voice as the uh, main focal point of a song. Right. Um, his range feels very limited throughout this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just he's just got a country, a slight country twang that he's using over the fucking. Phaser guitars Phaser and acoustic, and, and yeah. Some congas sometimes. Yeah. Um, I know this is like a very cliche thing to say about more like Americana, mm-hmm. good old boy stuff, but like his voice is also just kind of like a, yeah, you'd get a beer with that, dude. <laughs> like he, he kind of has that voice of like, yeah. I, I suppose that is the appeal. That's yeah. part of the appeal, huh? Um, that is obviously part of the appeal. I, I wouldn't listen to music from somebody that I wouldn't feel like I could grab a beer with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, let's talk about Wonder Why We Ever Go Home, which I think is a, the next song. And I think it does a good job of kind of, it's a little more laid back, a little slower, um, overly emotional. Mm-hmm. Like, very sappy, like, I'm just going to slow pick through this acoustic, like, uh, just chords. Yeah. And then uh, then all of the d- s- emotion that you can put into a harmonica just yeah. coming over it, the top. It feels very textbook, sort of like, okay, we need we need uh, an emotional, more ballad-type song. Uh, let's just... Yeah, I don't know. It it feels like a song you've heard a dozen times before, a, a a dozen different ways. Yeah, it's just, it's fine. I think this his voice sounds a lot better in this song than in the first song. Well, yeah, this as well. Is, this is much more within the realm, uh, um, in terms of uh, in terms of genre that I think that his voice kind of fits into as making sense yeah. to be the the focal point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, for for me, the majority of the like the, this is probably you're right. The best ex- like one of the best examples of of yeah. Um, it's a surprisingly somber song as well. I think it's one of the better written lyrically songs as well, because it's kind of about this entire idea of like why the appeal of running away from responsibilities exists and it, yeah. living in this other world that is not if a feasible existence right. for people, um, but kind of a, as a critique of the very fast-paced corporate lifestyle. I would argue that it's some of the best subject matter, Mm. not necessarily some of the best lyrics. Okay. um, Because I don't think there's a single good lyric in this album. (laughs) No, that's that's a lie. Actually, I I think there are are some lyrics that that land pretty well. Um, It's just wild to me because uh, the same gravity will be given to lyrics that I think work pretty well as like 
fuck whatever fucking line it is where he's like i tore my flip-flop or some shit like that oh, we'll get to that i know we'll get to we'll it but, but to like that. that's I what you're saying though. you know what i mean yeah. like the it's the same gravity is given to to these lines that i think are are actual bit, bits of poetry uh-huh. as this total fucking hogwash that he's <laughs> that he's peddling wondering if i can keep as i race to catch up with my dream how they shine and glitter and gleam years grow shorter not long i don't know why but the every single time i hear this song and i hear that um lead guitar kind of going over the top of everything towards the end. I'm just like, this feels like Journey and I don't know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't know just... if I, I don't know if I can, I can back you up on that one. Like, I'm not saying it is Journey, but just like laid back, incredible phaser, just a lead guitar going off on a like soft pop song. I don't know. For me, that's like kind of just what Journey is outside of like one or two things. Right. I don't know. Um, I, if but... I remember right, this song ends uh there's it sort of slows down mm-hmm. at the end yep. and then there's a little bit of an instrumental at the very end yeah with the harmonica coming back through um uh, so full disclosure i listened through each of these albums once literally right before josh got here uh professionals over here professionals i i've been i've been putting off putting putting <laughs> off these albums cuz i really didn't want to listen to either <laughs> of them um but i i uh remember listening to this song and when it got to the end uh they just very abruptly slow down the last like four chords yeah for no reason yeah completely unearned and i remember it happening happening and being like this this is totally like not not just unearned but like it's a non sequitur like it it made no sense in the context of the rest of the song it wouldn't Mm -hmm. make sense for it to have been a fade out a fade out would have worked just fine yeah that would have been a perfect fade out opportunity um and yeah i just uh, it's a very weird slow down at the end it it feels like they were like oh wait we did write an end fuck right fuck uh uh uh, well if we do uh, a fade out the song will be too tacky and we can't have that uh uh uh, uh, what it what it also kind of uh feels like is the person doing the harmonica like started and he's like oh shit fuck uh okay we're just gonna roll with it we're just gonna roll with it it. um gonna skip over banana republics it's a it's a cover it's fine whatever Mm. um there's a few there's three covers on the album and i'll point them out when we pass them but uh tempico trauma the fourth song on the album uh one of the lesser listened to at least according to spotify songs off the album i think it's the best song on the album uh you'll have to give me that snippet i need that snippet to know know what the hell we're talking about Some of those chords that that piano's busting out are pretty fucking spicy. Right? Okay, the backing band goes really hard on this song in a way that I really appreciate. Um, The guitarist, 
also goes. I think it's a really good mix between um, like a Texas two step and uh, like a blues swing. Yeah, it's de- as well. It's definitely like uh, as we were talking about with the last song, uh, much more kind of in the realm that makes sense for for his voice. Yeah, uh, and the subject matter and yeah. kind of the the more party. Not a partying, but party fun vibe right. as well. Um, I feel like this song also it reminds me a little bit of the Eagles at the same time. I can see that. I think I can see that. Yeah. Um, you, I also, you, you know the Eagles better than I do, though. So. I mean, I I know like one one or two songs off the top of my head, and then a bunch of like, oh, that sounds like the Eagles. Ah, uh, <laughs> so, okay. Thanks. Thank my parents for my Eagles knowledge, which is that. Um, I also think this is some of the stronger singing that he does have on the entire album as well, because as you said, it does fit in his register way better. Um, I think lyrically, it also fits in, as we said, like kind of what he's going for a little bit more as well. fullest the backing band sounds as well like it it feels like it's there's a lot of people doing a lot of important stuff with the music as well right um certainly well layered yeah um yeah so i i think this is my this is my favorite song on the album for sure right uh i wouldn't disagree with you there that being said it's still not something i will ever go back to listen to (laughs) (laughs) um lovely cruise only reason i'm bringing it up it's a cover feels just like a bad middle school dance like slow dance song, right? Whatever. So let's let's talk about Margaritaville. Let's talk about Margaritaville. Let's waste away again in Margaritaville. Let's see if we can track down that there salt shaker. The Jimmy Buffett song, the definitive Jimmy Buffett song. If you listen to one Jimmy Buffett song, Margaritaville had better be it. Um, folklore says that this song helped popularize popularize the margarita in America. Wow! Fuck Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Like okay, look, uh, I I don't like tequila, um, and you know you know why because know you were exactly. slightly behind this. It was incredibly my fault. Uh, it was the definition of actually my fault. The the first time I ever threw up drinking too much, we you and I had been bar hopping, crawling, and, <laughs> bar bar crawling, <laughs> started out hopping, uh, yes. uh, and the night ended. Uh, I want to say it was at. Um, it ended at Craftworks. Ended at Craftworks, but we got we 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 fell off the wagon at Taproot. I remember it ending at uh, Browns. Was it? No. I'm pretty sure it was Browns. Was it Browns? I thought it was Craftworks because Craftworks is the bar that stays open later than every other bar. I don't know. Regardless, Anyways. the the point is the last bit of alcohol that we consumed that night was tequila, which means that it's the first thing I tasted the next morning when I threw up. Yeah, that um, was. <laughs> and I think that that kind of just soured soured tequila for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, and I can't like even if even mixed drinks with a little bit of tequila in it. You're just if, like nah. If I can taste any of that like agave kind of, it doesn't. Yeah, I can't well, I, do it. I apologize for <laughs> doing that to you, but um, steel drums, bud. Some steel drums in the song as, as well. Gotta love that. Just some 
Yeah. Just uh, steel drums in a, in a Jimmy <laughs> in the Jimmy Buffett manner. This song is incredibly laid back, but not in any good ways. No. I don't get why this is. This song literally launched his entire career, and I just don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. Don't know the reason. Stayed here all season. Nothing to show but this brand new tattoo. But it's a real beauty A Mexican cutie How it got here I haven't a clue Wasting away again in Margarita Yeah, the entire song is just about a, a, a drunk in a small vacation town who so, is just like blacks out all the time and doesn't know what the fuck is going right. on. Right. I so uh, I think I understand the appeal in a certain very I'm going to get a little we- like No, go for it. Not weird, but uh so some of my first experiences with music that like music that I was like, wow, this makes me feel like I'm elsewhere or this makes me feel things that I haven't experienced or like th- th- it's wild music is like this uh crazy uh uh, uh trans tr- uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for oh god transformative not transformative uh like uh ah, whatever yeah. M- music is music's this really neat thing uh maybe I should maybe I should get more into it right uh when I was very young, I'm talking like eight years old, mm-hmm. maybe six six to eight years old, yeah. uh, my sister had a Beach Boys Greatest Hits CD. Mm. Maybe it was my mom. Somebody in the house had a Beach Boys Greatest Hits CD, and I listened uh-huh. to that thing like crazy. It was the first, I remember my very first time ever going, I'm going to listen to music now, and I right. looked at the range of CDs, and I said Beach Boys, and put it in and listened to it, uh, and sort of... Uh, very quickly latched on to this idea of like, yeah, California surfing. Like it's this, it's a whole thing. <laughs> uh, like it's this yeah, thing that yeah, I've yeah. never experienced. Like I'm a, I am a small child. It's not like I relate to it in any in any manner. Right. But the idea of of it uh, appeals appeals and this music uh, captures that that experience. yeah captures that yeah. energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and puts it, puts that energy in me. Right. Um, and so I think that to some degree, I think that imagining in 1977, never having heard steel drum on the radio. Right. And then here's this song about this, oh, exotic alcoholic beverage that I've never even tried before. Right. Yeah. Uh, and this music that's familiar enough that I am interested in it. Mm-hmm. Familiar enough that I can that I can keep up with it. Yeah. Uh, but foreign enough that it's exciting and new to me. That it's novel. And it kind of transports you to island living. Right. Even though it's something that I've never experienced. Right. And I the, see what you're that, saying. And that this isn't an accurate representation of. Oh yeah, hundred percent. In, in the same way that like. Yeah. Uh, you know, half of the Beach Boys's like early half discography mm-hmm. is just like. Uh, simple blues progressions. Just really quickly. Just really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got. I, I understand that. Um, but but with a with a um, 
uh, fucking uh, uh, baritone guitar. Right. <laughs> going going in the background. Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing, like on Margaritaville, that we really have to, to touch on is um, what kind of fucking D-Gen makes fro- frozen margaritas? <laughs> Why would you make them... If you say booze in a blender and then you talk about Margaritaville... What? No, if you're going to make a fucking frozen tequila drink, make it a fucking daiquiri. <laughs> yeah. God fucking damn it, Jimmy Buffett. Don't daiquiris have rum? Whatever. Yeah, well, <laughs> same difference. Um, I way prefer rum to tequila. Oh, yeah. No, but, um, yeah, no, it, it, it definitely puts off this, this vibe of just, like, nothing matters. We're just here in the sun and whatever. Um, also it has a very dated reference as well, because when he blows out his flip flop and then he steps on a pop top. Oh, right. It's because back in the day, uh, soda cans had a little right, metal. A little thing yeah. Pull off and then, yeah. and then everybody would just toss them in the, in the public park. Yeah. And so if you just stepped on it, you know, should you, you should you have torn your flip flop? Yeah. And step on one, it'll, you'll bruise your heel and have to cruise on back home. Where there is booze in the blender. blender. <laughs> Fucking, I... And soon it will render a frozen concoction <laughs> that'll help you hang on, Jared. I, and that's I, what it is to waste away look, again in Margaritaville. <laughs> I will say that the lyrics are, like, entertainingly absurd. Like, if it was... If this was meant to be, like, a parody or or, or somewhat comedic yeah. in its delivery, then it wouldn't land. But the fact that this is, like, a serious... Uh, uh, meant to be a serious work of art, and right. then we have lines like the one ones you just recited for me. <laughs> by memory, I, by the by, way. Yeah, no, I, I he does he certainly does not have the lyrics pulled up right now. <laughs> um, yeah, that, uh, at the very least, the lyrics do have some entertainment value. Yes, they do. But purely because they are missing their mark. <laughs> Well, especially because um, the next song, In the Shelter, which is a song that is about this just down-on-their-luck woman who just tries to make a better life for themselves and just can't seem to do it. Like, he delivers each, like, circumstance that happens with the same amount of seriousness and, and, and importance as you said earlier. Right. Like... So which is it? I get like right. So therefore, it, it takes away from the more like silly whatever songs versus the more lyrically impactful songs. Right. Um, but in the shelter has it's so much harmonica again. Just yeah. Um, I don't really feel like we need to touch on it. Like it's lyrically deeper than the rest of the album. Doesn't mean it's fantastic songwriting or anything like that. Um, the only other song that I really feel like we gotta touch on is Miss You So Badly just because the bass goes way too fucking hard in the chorus and we stand we we stand a a bassist that goes way too fucking hard for absolutely no reason Need 
to add that amount of like staccato to what he was doing during the no, th- th- during the chorus. Like, I, think, uh, I I uh, I can't help but feel that uh, that basis got a little bit cheated when it came to the production on this song. Oh, the production's not great. Um, yeah, that bass tone not not what that's not what needed to be there. You know what the bass tone kind of feels like. It feels like it's the late 70s. They just had this idea of solid-state amplifiers, and they didn't really know what to do with it yet. It's kind um, of the vibe I'm getting. I, I don't know. It feels it, it feels to me like the bassist liked his mids, and the, and the sound engineer liked them even more than he did. But then they were, <laughs> both of them were just like, who needs low-end when you're bass? What if, what if we just make it sound like a baritone? Right. Yeah. That's, uh, All right. That's... The, well, change the, it. You this know. entire album is basically just like I don't know, man. Like it's a thi- if you're really into this thing, if you're really into this like faux island living white dude, man, like mansplaining right. island living to you that actually doesn't exist because it's well, it exists in like white corporate oh, America, we, uh, Caribbean. Right. We we had a little conversation about this bef- uh, before hitting record. Yeah, uh, and before I ate. Uh, uh, th- my my takeaway from this album is that I feel like a lot of really shitty behavior from from uh, specifically middle aged white men has mm. been justified by via this album. It definitely would lead to a lot of absentee parenting being like it's fine. Certainly, it feels like it's, yeah. it's a very absentee parenting. I, I just vibe. I, I just mean that like listening to this album just makes me think of all of the all of the bad behavior that middle aged white men are specifically are known for and that uh and that are is perpetuated yeah. uh despite how how wrong that behavior especially is. like corporate c-suite type people oh yeah absolutely yeah no i i agree with you i agree with you a lot um but let's see what some of the people at the time thought about the album yeah let's so ira meyer for the rolling stone gave it three stars said the drinking tunes it should be added probably work in live performance (laughs) one can get away with the one-liner songs if the picking and mood are right here however norbert putnam's overwrought production and arrangements milk each number of its potential charm emotion or for that matter shit kicking impact damn that's uh not inaccurate (laughs) uh robert uh, chris gow for chris record guide gave it a b plus and he said, Buffett's certainly more likable than the average professional rack shell. He's complex, he's honest, he takes good care of his sense of humor, and above all, he doesn't come across, come on like hot shit. This is his most reflective album, and though I'm nothing like him, Wonder Why We Ever Go Home is hardly my take on aging. I find myself entertained whenever he stops and thinks. Hmm. He's, he thinks <laughs> in this album? <laughs> Uh, Billboard didn't um, have a ranking or whatever, but this is just a little blurb that I found huh. about it. Uh, Buffett, purveyor of the nautical slash Caribbean mystique, is in full bloom here with his fifth LP. That's inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> possibly his most mature work to date. The themes are provocative enough, exploring maturation, loneliness, boredom, identity searching, expatriatism, human relations human relationships all done against travel as the metaphor for living. Hmm. 
Uh, um, so it's really across the board here. <laughs> yeah, so it's really not, across not, the not, board. Not, that's the wrong phrase. Not across I, I know the board, but uh, across the pond. No, that's the wrong phrase. Also, uh, a vast across the universe. No, that's a song. Uh, <laughs> All right. So really quick, I want to touch on the legacy of this album because it does have a legacy. It's uh-huh. one of the best-selling albums of all time. It um, almost every every single song on this album has been played live, which is incredibly rare for a Jimmy Buffett album. Um, this album led him to led him to his fortune, where he started a bunch of restaurants, book deals, other writing stuff. Does he have a Jimmy Buffet? It's called Margaritaville. The restaurants are called Margaritaville. But in the Margaritaville, there's a buffet, and it's called the Jimmy Buffet? Haven't been. Can't. We need some on-the-ground reporting. I just, I need this opportunity to be seized. Uh, Jimmy Buffett's uh, net worth, last reported, is $900 billion. What? Yes. What? He is maybe the most <laughs> wealthy musician of all time. What? Yeah. That's not even what... Bob Dylan just sold the rights to, like, all of his music to Sony, and that's mm-hmm. not even... what. That was, like, $900 million. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Buffett has made a literal empire off the backing of Margaritaville. God. Wow. All right. Well... George Martin of Beatles fame, after this album, came to Jimmy Buffett and was like, hey, I have a great idea. Let's buy a private island in the Caribbean and make it a place for people to go, for musicians to go and record albums and get away from the world. And they built it, and it failed in, like, three years. Jimmy Buffett was, like, kind of on top of the world after this album came out. Well, none of that uh, matters. (laughs) The one score we got... uh, my head hurts. I'm sorry that I ruined your faith in humanity. My head hurts. <laughs> this information. But we are giving it the only score that does matter. Yeah, which is the yeah. official Tape Maker score. And we are scoring this album. We're scoring this baby out of 19. Out of 19. <laughs> out of 19. Out of 19. Jared, what do you think this album is on a scale of 1 to 19? How good is it? 19 well, being so- the best. And, uh, well, this being our tenth episode, I think this is a good point to to refresh. Yes, because uh, I was because I almost made the mistake of asking what we have at the bottom of the list, but mm. we don't consider the list when we are scoring them. We never consider the list when we're scoring. Never so cons- we score first, and then we go to the list. All right, I'm giving it a one out of nineteen. <laughs> wow, uh, shit, dude. Yeah, I. Um, it's been quite a while since I've enjoyed an album less than this. Damn. Um, All right. Well, I'll, I'll let yeah. you know what my score is. Um, my score is also a one out of nineteen. <laughs> I I think there are like some very small redeeming qualities about this album. Mm-hmm. No, but that's about like one minute out of the forty minute album. Um, I just don't get. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't. Get if it you either. like it, more power to you. A lot of nostalgia in this album, and I'm incredibly fighting against that nostalgia as well, because I'm just like, yeah, no, I remember listening to th- this album and all of the rest of the Jimmy Buffett albums on repeat a lot as a kid. Doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't doesn't and, mean it deserves anything. So, and 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 to be 
to you know I uh, assuming that there are any proponents of this album listening right now right uh I did only listen to it one time. So if there are, if there are any like nuggets of quality that I just overlooked because uh, because of a lack of uh, preparation, uh, tenacity, okay. prepara- preparation, uh, you know, um, well, if that's the case, build a fucking time machine, go back in time, and tell Jimmy Buffett to make a more interesting album so that I could find those nuggets. <laughs> So that I have an an interest in actually listening to the album more than one time, and finding those nuggets. Exactly. So let's uh, let's reference the list. So currently, we're going to uh, approach the list from top to bottom. So the best album of all time, officially, according to the Tape Maker official rating scale, it's Eons by Mimicking Birds. Mm, second right. second best of all time is Pieces of a Man by Gil Scott Heron. And third is Let It Die by Feist. And fourth is Boarding House Reach by Jack White. And fifth is I Go Missing in My Sleep by Wilson. And sixth is The Beautiful Game by Wolfpack. And seventh is Rasmataz by I Don't Know How, But They Found Me. Right after that, in eighth is Bonfires on the Heath by The Clientele. And in ninth is The Shape of Color by Intervals. Right below that, in 10th, is Destroyer's Rubies by Destroyer. And below that is Pure Comedy by Father John Misty, right in 11. Number 12 is Loveless by My Bloody Valentine. Number 13 is Blood Pressures by The Kills. Number 14 is Timing is Everything by Vauxhall Broadcast. In 15 is As the Eternal Cowboy by Against Me. 16th best album of all time is Big Mess by Danny Elfman. The 17th best album of all time is 10 by Pearl Jam. And the 18th and currently at the bottom of our list, therefore being the worst album of all time, is Wasteland Baby by Hoysier. With a 1 out of 19, changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes... Can't have one without the other. ...is now officially at the bottom of the list, making it the worst album we've ever talked about. Jared, how are you feeling about that? I'm very glad... That Wasteland Baby is no longer at the bottom of the list because I, I look, I did not, I, I still don't think that that's a very good album, but I don't think that it's the worst album. Like I, I don't think it deserves to be at the bottom of the list. Uh, I'm glad that we finally have something else that we can both agree <laughs> needs to be at the bottom. Yeah, no, this. Uh, I'm so glad Hoysier is is finally off the bottom because God damn it, it like it's been down there a touch too long. Yeah. Not not overly too long, but just like a touch, just like a little bit. Um, Jared, thank you for going on the the Jimmy Buffett journey with me. Uh, welcome yeah, to my we're childhood. Pull, we're pulling into port. Uh, make sure you have all of your luggage in tow, and make sure that your flip flops, your thongs, are well secured to your little tootsies as we uh, descend onto the the salty the, shore, the sandy shores of uh, any other album, please, dear God, any other album. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to move on to the next album, which is Dennis Was a Bird by Tom Rosenthal. <laughs> That's a callback, baby. And we are back. Thanks uh, for taking that little break with us. Uh, I was just reminded. Um, I shared a, 
article with you that I found from the Guardian about my bloody Valentine, and That's it's right. just it's just one of my favorite things ever. Um, um, yeah, for those who don't know, <clears throat> the uh, my bloody Valentine. Uh, publicly criticized Spotify for uh, because Spotify uh, shares lyrics to songs. Yeah, uh, that's a new feature that's available, and uh, they were upset because they said the lyrics to these songs, the uh, My Bloody Valentine songs on Loveless, on Loveless were uh, fake lyrics. And, and not, how dare Spotify be lying about what their lyrics are, and that it was an, an insult to them, as if their lyrics mean fucking anything. And in the exact same, in in the exact same quote from him, he said, "Yeah, the lyrics are just like subconscious; they just come out, and who knows what they are." And I'm like, "What?" That's in my DH. That's that's I'm in my DH right now. So if you want to, if you want to hear all of our takes on my bloody Valentine, uh, uh, just go back one episode and uh, yeah, yeah. But moving on from lyrics that don't really have meaning to lyrics that really do actually have meaning. Certainly, uh, certainly. Dennis was a bird by Tom Rosenthal, um, released August twentieth, twenty twenty one. His sixth studio album release. Uh, it was just him, Tom Rosenthal. Um, which I, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I might be pronouncing it incorrectly, his last name. Um, it's probably Ross and Teal. He is British, so I don't think it's that. Um, so he's the, he's the primary artist and one of the composers, and then uh, the only other credited person that I was able to find information on is Matt uh, Maltese, was also uh, helped him compose and did some backing vocals. Okay, cool. So, but it's mostly Tom Rosenthal uh, right. himself doing everything. Uh, he released it on his own personal record label, which he's released all of his music on, mm-hmm. called Tin Pot Records. Uh, he's a YouTube musician. That definitely sounds right. <laughs> uh, his claim to fame um, uh, in amongst the like YouTube bedroom recording me in a single instrument singing a song mm-hmm. and putting it on there is that he has a unique voice, unique lyrics, and amazing music videos was kind of what I found on that. Uh, started releasing music back in 2011. Uh, he didn't tour at all until 2019 because he was focused on being a father the entire time, which is like... Damn, what a time to start touring. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, there's not really a whole lot of press on him, which I think is pretty pretty on like on par with most kind of made famous on YouTube made famous from like music videos that he did. Like most of it was like yeah. him being in most of the um, press I was able to find on him was just him being in listicles for cool music videos that came out this year type thing. Right. Um, uh, general, uh, what, what's uh, man? Sorry. I, uh, Full disclosure, I had a seizure yesterday, and so my brain is ah. still a little foggy. Um, Take the, your time, uh, you're good. I... Uh, more sort of uh, reputable, uh, established, uh, let's say corporate mm-hmm. um, outlets, news outlets... Uh, generally kind of ignore largely ignore any kind of uh any kind of artist or uh any kind of even like uh uh fuck what's the word for uh like somebody like a craftsman 
yeah, craftsperson, in any, general, any sort of person who makes things to On, put out in the world, right? Uh, that creative, yeah, any yeah. kind of creative person that sort of uh, got their start via the internet instead of through uh, the sort sort of established more standard means. Um, they're largely ignored, yeah. in, you know, in the world of awards, in the world of news, in the world of... Coverage. Uh, yeah, in, in the world of coverage on a uh, commercial and uh, uh, professional level. Yeah. Uh, which really fucking sucks. It does suck. It does I think that that's going to change in the future. I think it has to change in the future because people like Tom Rosenthal are, like, so successful in mm -hmm. what they're doing. Like, so many other people are also getting their start on YouTube and then being in, contr in control of their entire creative process. Mm -hmm. um, like, that's that's going to have to change because the the former way of labels having to be in charge of all of the A&R and stuff like that, like, that's just not a sustainable model anymore. So I, I definitely think in the next 10 years we're going to see that shift happen. Uh, Hyperpop's a major uh, sort of... I, I, I went in a, on a little research binge on mm. Hyperpop recently. This is does this not is at not all pertain to... Yeah. Uh, Definitely not Hyperpop. Uh, but, like, that's uh, just one example of a, a more recent genre um, yeah. that is uh, fully... Uh, that fully emerged out of uh, internet culture, that fully emerged out of uh, a community of people who only interacted through the internet. Yeah. Uh, sending music to each other, making music for each other, making music to share on YouTube specifically. Yeah. Um, and then enough people getting behind it that it sort of gained momentum um, and then got co-opted. Uh, which always <laughs> happens, unfortunately. Which always happens. Uh, all that to say... Mm -hmm. Uh, this guy seems, uh, like he's sort of caught in that, uh, he has, he has a significant following on the internet, but, uh, isn't, uh, recognized in a more professional sense. Yeah. Um, all, most of the press that I could find on him is either people being like, Hey, this internet dude released an album and it's pretty good. Or them talking about how many streams that he's had on like Spotify and YouTube and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that he did a cover of, uh, the song home by Edward Sharp and the magnetic zeros mm -hmm. that in his version just that went off on TikTok up, recently. Yeah, yeah. Blew up on TikTok and like how much money he made off of that cover and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But like, that's the, that's the majority of the, um, stuff I was able to find. So this album was written as he processed the death of his dad, Dennis, um, who passed away in 2019 mm -hmm. and kind of his journey of being okay with his dad passing away. Um, and a quote that I found from his band camp um, is him saying uh, on this album is him saying, I've tried my hardest to make this album as personal and honest as possible. During the writing process, sometimes I had voices in my head saying, Tom, this is way too much info. They're not going to want to listen to all this. In the end, it felt crucial not to shy away from the realities, to keep reaching in the hope of that an emotional, an emotion, a phrase, a melody resonates with you in some way. Mm. So this is a guy who historically has not written deeply emotional stuff. He historically writes a little bit more poppy, fluffy fun songs right. so this is kind of his first real delving into deep emotional content in his lyrics yeah and i think it shows 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we'll we'll get into the lyrics. Um, my yeah. my, I also only listened to this album one time. Right. Um, which uh, again might be a disservice to this album, uh, but I don't really think it is. I think there's little um, small things that you'd be able to pull from it with a few more the, listens. Yeah, there are certain there are certain I'm sure that I would would have a greater appreciation for this album should I have listened to it more than once, but I think that it is a uh, marginal marginally improved uh impression. Yeah. Uh should that have happened. Yeah. Uh but th- the uh the manner through which I listened to it uh, I uh Full disclosure again, I uh, am broke as fuck right now, mm. and so I don't presently have Spotify. Right. Um, and so I was watching, uh, he has a YouTube playlist on on his YouTube channel of all of the songs from this album. The majority of those videos are lyric videos, so mm. I, was, I was able to read the lyrics for most of the songs as it was going. Yeah. Um, but the... Uh, uh, sorry, I totally interrupted no, what, totally where, where you were... What what brought I I was like we'll get into lyric lyrical videos. content yeah um and I, then that is an you explanation of once. why I I feel like I have a good grasp you on have the a better lyrical. grasp than maybe you would otherwise because you yeah. you saw the lyric videos yeah um yeah no just kind of like overall takeaways um because we don't there's not really a whole lot else to talk about like background to the album mm-hmm. um I appreciate kind of what he tried but it, I just don't, I just don't find it. I mean this in the nicest way possible about someone writing an album about processing the death of their father. I just don't find it interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you there. Um, it's uh, it definitely hearing you say that he's written more kind of like fluff in the past, mm-hmm. that more kind of like uh, lighthearted, not, lighthearted, not meant to be uh, you know deeply emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hearing this be his first crack at a, a more emotional album with a lot more depth to it, um, that makes a lot of sense because the lyrics really came across to me as uh, sort of... It, it just feels like somebody's first attempt at trying to make a more emotive album. Yeah. No, um, for sure. I, lyrically, it feels really unfinished to me. Um, the entire album just feels like it needed another producer to just look at everything mm-hmm. um i think this is where the the like diy youtube like record a song until when and then when you feel like it's good you just kind of put it out mm-hmm. i feel like that's where this falls down a little bit yeah there's one uh specific style of song that it feels like half of this album yes. exists as as like like it's all the same song just cut into different pieces. Yeah, it's this piano that is uh, very very warm. Doesn't have very much high end to it. Feels like a it's you know got a blanket of, stuffed into it. A lot of tail it. on the reverb. Uh, yeah, a lot of tail on the reverb. A little bit of string, uh, uh, like kind of light orchestral stuff going on. Not orchestral, not that. It, grand, it's all synthy. It's all synthy patches as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and then and then his voice. Yeah. Um, and and that uh, there are so many songs that use that same instrumentation um, that are all kind of feel like they're around the same kind of BPM range. Yeah. That all sort of uh, just have the same from a musical from the musical standpoint. This are emoting kind of the exact same way. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And then on top of that, 
uh, for me, the lyrics feel totally disjointed from like feel feel like they were written completely yeah. separate from the music and then were just sort of haphazardly thrown in there. Yeah. And also I I think I think this again goes into it felt like he just needs another producer mm-hmm. with him. Um someone else to just kind of look at everything is that I feel like he goes for his vocal performance as like the main difference between a lot of the songs. And so he'll go for higher notes or lower notes to like convey a broader range of emotion. But a lot of times for me, at least he doesn't hit the notes that he's supposed to go specifically when he goes to his lower register, it just always feels like he's a little too high or a little too flat. Hmm. And I, again, I'm just a person who like every single time I hear an artist go for something that is obviously not, the right. note that they were trying to hit. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think that uh, the fault is in his ability to sing. Um, I think that, like I said, it f- it feels like the lyrics were written completely separately from the music, mm. and then pushed into a musical context. Right. And then, and likewise, those melodies were not written for those songs. <laughs> right. And he's just sort of. It feels like he wrote the song, the music, totally by itself. And then had this book, had this notebook full of poetry that he'd written as part of his way of processing all of right. his emotions that he was experiencing. Tore a page out and then sat in front of a microphone with that page. And then just like, okay, how do we make this? Yeah, synthesize. Um, yeah, and it it doesn't land. I feel like they're the melody. The melodies are very kind of haphazard. They're mm-hmm. very. Uh, they don't feel very cohesive. They don't feel like they are meant to sit in the songs the way that melodies are. I feel melodies are supposed to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I yeah. It, it it feels like it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Well, let's get into the first song, which I think does a really good example of kind of t- touching on all of the positives and negatives that we both feel about this album. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you know. I think his voice, like his voice work, is really good. Again, it has that really large, overly warm piano key sounds, but I think it, it works on this song. Um, the string, the way that they chose to implement the strings just felt like a little too on the nose. Waited up all night and watched you sleep. I've never done that before. And you know what? It was the best night of my life. To be close to your dreams for the very first time The lyrics just kind of feel like a first draft. Yeah. It's a lot of, this is exactly what I'm feeling, so I'm going to put my exact feelings and the exact things I was doing down on the page, and we're just going to go. Um, I'm, I'm glad that the snippet uh, you chose is the snippet you chose. Uh like see i think that specifically it's the lyrics that i'm most disappointed on with the di- most disappointed in with this album um with it being that you know this is like literally something that we all go through yeah um and that this is clearly and and uh um uh ostensibly meant to be uh, an emotional experience that you are able to relate to and that you are able to use as a way to process your your own experience. Um, and it's also very clear that the lyrics are the focal point of this whole album. Yeah. Um, and then it's really disappointing for me when there are lines like, uh, I've never done that before. 
Yeah. With the emphasis on the B, uh, but also being sort of, uh, f- um, uh, 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 Syllabically? Syllabically? Syllables. Yeah. Syllabolically. Syllabic? Syllabically. But you're just like... I'm pretty sure it's syllabic, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. But kind of just like the focus being on it. Yeah, syllabic. Okay. Uh, And also it's uh, very very syllabically busy uh, in that section, Mm -hmm. but not... Uh, to match other sections that are uh, busy in that same manner, um, it, it's all very it's all very stream of consciousness um, and without feeling uh, honed. If yeah. that makes sense, no, hundred uh, percent. I know exactly. It feels like unedited. Uh, it, it feels like unedited writing. Yeah, um, which is a choice, uh, but. You know, like I said, when the lyrics are carrying so much of the weight of this album, because again, musically, what you just heard is the majority. Is the, the majority yeah. of this yeah. album. Um, you know, the lyrics are meant to do the heavy lifting on this album, and they're not—they're uh, not there. Yeah. Also, the vocalization, which happens multiple times on this album as well, mm-hmm. it just doesn't really work for me. It again, I think this is part of the—he just needs another producer who has a different experience. Mm-hmm. producing music to be there with him and being like, Hey, so this thing you did is like the th- thing that is a very obvious choice for you to make during this time. What if you made it's... a slightly different choice that conveyed more emotion, more depth than just like kind of the obvious, like right. it, it also feels, um, his, speaking about his voice, uh, and the, the, um, aesthetic decisions that he made with his voice, uh, it feels a little um, at, kind of out of time, not out of time rhythmically, but uh, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? When something falls out of fashion. Um, was, dated. Dated. That's the word I'm looking for. It yeah. feels dated. We were talking last week. Uh, I told you about singing in cursive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is this is very much in that vein of kind of small voice, mm, uh, mm. very you know uh, intentionally singing very quietly uh, with a really hot microphone. Right. Um, yeah. And obviously he does have an accent. Yeah. He's he's English, right? Uh, British. British. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> On the British Isles, I just don't know which specific, and maybe Irish, so I'm not, like, trying to be too is well, specific. Is Welsh British? Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Definitely not Welsh. I know that much. Yeah, no, he's not Welsh. I just yeah. was, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, he obviously, like, you know, he doesn't have an American accent, I should say. Yeah. Uh, which cursive is a sort of distinctively American thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that it's that sort of style um, where it feels like, you know, Hey, you're not bony bear, <laughs> you know, you know, like the, right. we, this, al- this album moment. was already done several years back much better. Uh, <laughs> we already had the dude in a cabin with just like an incredibly hot mic. Right. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, which again, I think he, this is just the music that he's made his entire time and he's never really had professional music from what I can tell other professional musicians help him craft 
his songs. So he's just kind of gone. Right. And I think that personally, this There's, is like my biggest um, criticism of YouTube music mm -hmm. in, in quotes is that the only other people who ever see your music and give you commentary and critique on your music is other YouTube musicians. And yeah, all um, YouTube musicians have kind of this similar vibe and aesthetic and style because that is what made them popular on YouTube because right. most YouTube musicians all blew up at the same time. Um I would also I would also point out that um especially for uh this person in particular um having maybe one other person giving any kind of input on on yeah. the uh process of writing and recording um a huge part of and and uh this is something that uh I could go on for a long time about but uh auteur theory um, a tour. Yeah. Uh, the the idea that uh, that great that all, a lot of great works in in cinema and music specifically, mm -hmm. um, r mostly or wholly come from a single mind. Right. Not all of the works, but but that you know, like, uh, uh, Steven St Spielberg. Right. And that what makes Steven Spielberg's movies so great are Steven Spielberg's amazing vision. Yeah. But then you forget that there's, you know, it's a fallacy. Fifteen minutes worth of credits at the end of a Steven Spielberg movie explaining right. how all of these hundreds like a, of people, like a George Orwell. It's like, yeah, George Orwell, he had a great vision, but also there's still all of these credits, or right. Stanley Kubrick, or um, and that's not to say that there aren't people who, uh, in isolation, in in a vacuum, can create incredible works of art. Right. Yeah. Um, but to assume that you can do that um, is most likely based out of a uh, a very wrong concept of how yes. the, how uh, some of your favorite works of art are created. Yeah. Well, auteur theory is like very prevalent in the video games industry as well. Mm -hmm. Like a Metal Gear Solid, there's five or six or whatever of them. Hideo Kojima is like the known name for that. Right, but, but is he the person who's programming the games? Yeah. yeah. So like there's that. Um, Ken Levine did he's like the name associated with Bioshock, you know, like there's mm -hmm. all of these other people who are like part of these massive, massive multi-billion dollar corporations and video game uh, credits are forever long. And that yeah. doesn't even include all the people who like worked on it for a bit and then had to quit because of horrific working, you know, like, right. but auteur theory is such a like beautiful idea. Right. It's a very romantic it's, idea. It's, it's a romanticization of art. Uh, um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I I agree with you on on that. Um, yeah, I think that if the, I think that if he had a bit more uh, input, if he inv if he invited more people to make it a more kind of collaborative yeah. effort, or just like have more people in the um, creative process. Yeah, I think that it would have. Uh, I think it would have helped the album, and I think yeah. it would have um, maybe sort of pushed him out of that sort of YouTube bubble. Yeah, no, for sure, and like. Uh, this is not a fair comparison because they're very different um, musical artists, but it is very hard for me not to just think of uh, Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens, because that is also an album that deals with the, the kind of sudden death of a parent mm -hmm. or a parental figure. Mm -hmm. And that album is very raw and very real in a lot of very specific ways, but also there are so many people who touch that album. There's so many engineers, so right. many producers. 
who have who have helped Safian throughout his entire career craft the vision of like, okay, so this is my music and this is how to get the fullest extent of it out of there. And this, this, as we've kind of said, it just feels like it doesn't get the fullness of what he's attempting to convey or right. communicate through this album uh, onto the, the final recording. Mm-hmm. Um, Not a Catastrophe is <clears throat> the next uh, one I kind of want to touch yeah, on. Yeah, and actually that's uh, it's this more is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, it's definitely it's definitely good. I think um, this is one of the more interesting tracks on the album. I really like the way it builds at the end. Mm, um, okay, and I really like the uh, sort of repeating vocal line with the with these sort of gang vocals going on. Right. It will not open up the bottle for me one last drink. Tell me this ain't gonna be as bad as you. I think on this album in general, the more upbeat that he gets, the better the songwriting gets. Like the, and Yeah, the, definitely. Yeah. There's one other track that's much more upbeat, um, yeah. which uh, uh, also had a, a, another kind of cute music video. Mo- mo- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, as well as most of these tracks kind of sounding similar to each other, uh, most of the videos that are on that playlist I watched were um, just drone footage of forests. Uh, or a coastline with the lyrics Eng- at the bottom of the English screen. countryside yeah, type stuff. Yeah, yeah with cottage the... cottage core. <laughs> yeah, very cottage core. <laughs> um, I don't like the the chorus personally. It just it jumps so up and down of what the melody line is, and I think for me specifically, um, I just don't think his voice sounds good in this song. Like mm. I just think the register that he chooses, the octaves that he chooses, are just like the wrong ones for where his voice sounds the most natural. Mm. And I think this is kind of what I was talking about. Of like, it's a little bit more upbeat, so he's choosing a like slightly different register or like a lower register to try to convey more like seriousness mm-hmm. in the lyrics. But because that's not his natural register, he's just like slightly above a lot of the notes he's mm-hmm. trying to sing, and it just pulls for me at least it pulls me out of um kind of what he's going for i guess um also i don't i'm fascinated that you like the the ending because i don't like the fact that there's the like random slowdown for the bridge and then it goes straight back to what it was the entire time you want to try and pull that up yeah i'll pull that up and the sky won't fall down to the sea and the joys won't end with you. Like, I, I really like the ending, but, mm-hmm. like, the, just this, The like, transition from the, the bridge transition, into that. It feels very awkward and uncomfortable. Um, and maybe that's what um, he's going for, but I, I, I just don't... I see what you're saying. I don't know that I fully agree. Um, I... <laughs> but uh, you know, you know how Show Tiger songs are. I, <laughs> I, I write songs with very harsh transitions, uh, w- very regularly. Um, right. And so I don't, I don't think it's distasteful. I think the thing for me is that like it's a, it's like a, it's like a fifteen second bridge. Mm-hmm. Like it's so it just feels very 
out of nowhere. It's kind of musical theater to me. Mm, it's got a very mm, kind of okay. Like, yeah, I can see that. Um, I can see that. We just watched Sweeney Todd for like the thirtieth time Hell last yeah. week, uh, and then I watched the Sideways video about it because uh, Sideways because obviously Sideways does really good fucking videos. Uh, anyway, I uh, yeah, that definitely reminds me of sort of um, uh, Epiphany is what the song is called okay. at the kind of the climax. Uh, not the climax of the film, but the the point where uh, Sweeney decides that he's just going to kill everybody. Right. That yeah, yeah, he yeah. just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yep. Um, right before the final act type and, and stuff, it, yeah. And it uh, drastically switches very quickly between all of these different uh, musical leitmotifs that have been okay. sort of... Uh, the the sort of musical palette that's been building up through mm. the through the music up to that point in the, right. in the play. Okay. Um not not to say that I think that that was the intention <laughs> right. that you know he no, was trying to make saying, people yeah. have this uh, this this reaction to it, but that's sort of what it reminds me of. Okay, and I think that in reminding me of that, it sort of justifies itself. Okay, I can I see where you're coming from. I also just disagree with you because uh, yeah. um, no, I think it, I what it comes across to me as is that he was like, well, I got to have this bridge. Well, the entire song kind of has this one sound. What if we just kind of like halftime it for a bit and then go back to it to try to convey like this? It's not a catastrophe, but it also kind of is because my dad just died. But we're back to. Yeah, so I, I, just I mean, know. I'm not saying that this is an incredible work of art and right, that this song no. makes me feel like deeper emotions than I've ever felt before. Right. I'm just saying that for this album, I think this is one of the best tracks. I specifically like the way it ends. Yeah, um, no, that's understandable. And I mean, but, you know, as far as songs go, I feel like I've heard this song before. Right. Um, talking about a song that you probably haven't heard as much before is Letter Song, um, which the lyrics are probably the most divergent from the entire rest of the album. And the reason for that is that all of the lyrics are pieced together from uh, old letters that he has from his father mm-hmm. because his dad didn't communicate through any other forms of communication. So he doesn't have like text messages or like voicemails or anything like that saved. So the only thing he has saved from his dad is is letters. That's That's actually, I mean, you know, not... That that's pretty neat. I yes, think. I agree. Having I th- having physical, tangible um, interactions. Yeah, and then also taking the things that he wrote to you because it's not none of it is his response back to his dad. It's all just mm-hmm. letters that you know a father writes a son, where it's like, "Hey, you're in your early twenties. How you doing? Haven't heard from you in a hot minute." Um, I think it conveys the idea of this album and kind of like the the processing through and the remembering and the grieving mm-hmm. in a in a way that I think works a lot better than a lot of the rest of the lyrics mm-hmm. um, on the rest of the album does nothing is the end of the world Except the end of the world So hold your light Oh, this postcard maybe maybe I think also this is probably the best synthesis of emotional gravity in, in the lyrics and the way he um, 
projects the lyrics and the musicality. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely the the strongest slow song on, yeah, on the uh, album as well. Yeah, this is one of those songs that's half of the songs on this album sound like this, but this is but this is certainly one of the better examples of yeah. that use of of instrumentation and, and musicality. Yeah, like I I think this is just like a. I just wish more of the album kind of like leaned towards more of this direction where it's a little bit more musically, lyrically creative Mm -hmm. than um, kind of what we've been talking about so far. Um, I went to bed and I loved you, which is probably one of the other ones that you watched a a music video of. Um, It's the most, it's the poppiest. It feels super in his warehouse. This is the one where he says, uh, uh, it sounds like he says, I wet the bed and I love you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy the guitar that he like. That this is kind of the first time that guitar is really heavily mm-hmm. focus. The focus, which it is for the next like two or two or three songs after this as well, um, just like it's really well produced. It feels like it's more in his wheelhouse of what he's used to doing musically, um, and you know, like I I think it it's really really strong. Like it's just a, it's just an incredibly okay pop song you Incre- know? an incredibly okay pop song that's yeah <laughs> yeah like um also i think this is where his voice shines a lot a lot more than mm-hmm. some of the other tracks on the album as well um yeah it's just it's just See, good it's uh, fun. i think that's kind of where another way where another place where we differ about this album because uh while maybe uh uh, technically, on paper, his voice—not on paper, but, but in saying, a technical yeah. sense, his voice may work better in this register and in in uh, uh, in this capacity. Yeah, um, it's. I feel like it's way more boring. Okay, I feel like him kind of pushing himself outside of that, while maybe it doesn't always work, right. makes for more interesting tracks. Well, let's talk about probably the most interesting vocal track on the entire album, mm-hmm. "Little Joys." Uh, the, uh, I kinda, this was one of the better songs, I think. I think it's one of the better songs. Um, I don't like any of the vocal direction on it. Mm-hmm. It's just so up and down. It's it's all over the place, for me at least. Um, it's an incredibly catchy song. Yeah. And I kind of hate the fact that it's so catchy because I don't <laughs> think it's a great song. But, like, this is just great pop writing where it's just, like, it's a, it's a fine to bad song, but, man, you're going to just, like, think about it for the next I, few days. Uh, something that I actually appreciate about it is that I feel <clears throat> like um, the the chorus is falls in this weird place where it's simultaneously very predictable because he is just sort of repeating the same... Yeah. He's repeating the same phrase over and over again um, with variations of the pitch, yeah. variations of the melody that he's, that, that uh, those words are falling on every time. Uh, but it's not near as predictable as I expected it to be. That's very fair. That's, that is very um, fair. And I think that's part of what I appreciated about this song. In the dark there was light Send me into the long night with all the Send me into the long night with all the 
Yeah, no, like that. It's a great chorus. It's I hate it, but it's great. <laughs> you know, uh, it's one of those well, things where you, you, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's great. I feel like there's a lot of uh, missed opportunity there for some very interesting mm. melodic movement. Okay. Uh, or uh, sorry, harmonic, uh, harmonic movement, harmonies going on in the background that would have uh, helped out a little bit. Yeah, not necessarily that it needed to be filled out, but that it. Uh, I you know I don't know I just the, none of the notes that he that he goes for in that chorus are what I expect them to be each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like it changes every time, but just you I know, know I only listened to the song once, right? And the chorus was like, oh, that's not what I expected. I think it would be cool if there was more uh, harmonic movement going on in the background. Um, and I also. I, part of what makes this song stand out as well <clears throat> is that there was that heavy downbeat emphasis going on yeah. through the whole thing, uh, which drastically sets it apart from the rest of this album. Right, which is actually very interesting. Um, so this, again, Fence and Family, we haven't mentioned. Jacqueline recommended this. Right. Thanks, Jacqueline. We know you love this album. Sorry, we're ripping it to pieces. <laughs> um, but because, you know, it's, it's something Jacqueline likes, um, got a little bit of more, like, background on it. Apparently... The majority of the songs, if not all the songs, have this sort of chugging sound to it in some way, shape, or form in an attempt to kind of recreate the kind of chugging feeling that you get on being on a train, because apparently riding on trains together was like a big thing for him and his dad. Mm. So this is the first time it becomes like really prevalent, mm-hmm. but there, you know, I I think specifically on um, the next song we're going to talk about, which is "Tractor on the Motorway," which also this uh, I went to bed and I loved you, Little Joys and "Tractor on the Motorway" are three right back to back to back, which I think are the three best songs on the album. Also, mm-hmm. like it's a very good stretch of the album. Those specifically, like, you kind of get more of those melodic movements, that mm-hmm. more melodic, uh, yeah, there's this da-da-da, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da to it than um, I think the rest of the album has. But right. I, I do think that is a interesting choice to go to. I wish it was communicated musically in a slightly either more direct or more interesting way, if that makes sense. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Little Joyce is the song off of the album. It's like the single type. Plus, thing, it know, reminded like... me that the band Little Joy exist existed, and that's always a good thing. And that's always a good thing. Always a good thing. Um, so let's talk about Tractor on the Motorway, which is the next one. Um, again, totally fine pop song. Um, he sings it in his lower register, which just it doesn't hit for me. I don't know why it just doesn't. Um, I think it's some of the better imagery writing that he has on the album as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's totally fine. It's absolutely nothing wrong with, uh, nothing wrong with this song. I'm a little snail on a train. Moving bodies and moving pain And none of this is a given name But I'll get that Funny what becomes awakened 
have whole lives to ponder. I think, like, specifically in that little snippet that I played, like, his, like, keep going lower in the bridge, and it just feels like he's trying to go to a place that he just can't mm. hit with his voice. And yeah. it happened, it, for me, it happens a lot on the album, and I think that's a... <clears throat> It's yeah, that's something that is wish... definitely the strongest example in in terms of what you're talking about. Yeah, like, and I just wish it was something that like didn't bother me as much. But I'm just like, ooh, but like it, you can hit notes in a different register, and there's a way to convey deeper emotion with your lyrics than just lowering your octave or raising your octave to a to a level where the notes you're going for are just not hitting mm-hmm. in in the same way. But yeah, um, Dennis was a bird, which is the last song on the album, right? Um, I think it's definitely one of the better written songs. I think it's definitely one of the yeah, more uh, def- emotionally... Some of the best yeah. lyrics on the album in this song, for sure. for sure. And I think part of this is also, this is the last song. It, it feels like it's the song that he had the most amount of time to kind of like sit and write what he imagines his dad being at the moment mm-hmm. in, in, you know, this being without his his dad anymore because everything else feels very in the moment this is exactly what i was feeling where this is more right this... imagery rich so it feels like maybe you spent a bit more time with the um way that he went about writing that the lyrics that he chose you know just a little more craftsmanship mm-hmm. in that side um but it's a lovely song um I think I just wish that something in the song grabbed me and wanted to make me listen to it more. Yeah, uh, all all that all that to say that this is one of that fifty percent of the album that sounds the same tracks. Yeah, um, which is really unfortunate. Well, yeah, that see that's the thing is that you know two two of the better songs on the album in my opinion are in that are in that realm. Um, and they're, you know, they're brought down by all of the rest of the album that sounds like that. Right. Um, and that being said, if it was only those two tracks, it'd then, be pretty all right. I mean, well, then they would, it would be like, uh, well, which one of these do I like? better? <laughs> <laughs> Take off a land like it was yesterday's land. Teleport around the garden, then you're gone. I also really like the fact that he decided to go with an upright bass. Um, I don't think it's an actual upright bass. If it is, that's great, but it's probably a um, synth patch that he used as well. But just a very subtle choice. Um, yeah, it's also it's like. mixed fairly quietly. Yeah. Um, which. Yeah, it, it, like you know, that's one of those things that's like that is a that's unique to this song, and yet it's mixed quietly. Yeah, and so this just reads like the rest of the album. Yeah, uh, you know, when that's one piece of instrumentation that it would at least set the song apart in some capacity. I just feel I wrote uninspired in my notes, and I don't know if uninspired is the correct word, but it just feels very the production on the entire album just feels incredibly safe. Yeah, there's no big risks that are taken there's no this song needs this and even though that's not what i do it's what it needs so we're gonna and, do it and when it comes to youtube artists internet internet uh Based internet artists. grown artists mm-hmm. 
um, it's kind of one or the other. Either the production is very kind of uh, plain and safe um, and, you know, generally uh, very digital. A lot of VSTs, a lot of patches, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, drum samples. What can you do in your in your bedroom? Right. Yeah. yeah, uh, On your MacBook. Um, And then and and then on the opposite side of that spectrum, uh, would be well, would be stuff like hyperpop. Yeah, uh, would be stuff like a lot of the um, kind of uh, bedroom, uh, bedroom hip hop. A lot of uh, a little bit of lo-fi. Yeah, chill hop, well, vaporwave, some of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that it kind of it seems like it goes one way or the other. Where it's uh, it's either extremely bland production wise or it's extremely experimental production wise and there's no in between right no for sure and this this falls into i I think this is he's a very safe artist in general from not safe not in a bad way but just in like a safe production choices very accessible right for a broad audience uh safe safe and plain production choices don't mean bad production choices it just means that there's not something interesting there to talk about right um a bassist that's just playing root notes the entire time isn't doing something bad it's just not doing anything interesting right and if that suits the song that suits the song Mm-hmm. No, if, I agree. Yeah. If that's a missed opportunity in a song, then it's, a it's not. Time. It's a, then it's yeah. not as good of a song as it could be. Yeah. All right. Uh, so moving on to the contemporary reviews of the album, uh, there's none. <laughs> there's well, literally good because they wouldn't fucking matter anyway, Josh. Listen, we're here to give it the first ever officially scored review on the internet. <laughs> Not from user reviews on RateYourMusic.com. <laughs> well, damn. Uh, so all right. we're rating we're rating this out of twenty. Out of twenty. It's um, a twenty point scale. I'm gonna go first. I'll go let you. It. I'll let you think about it. I really, I really wish it was a higher score than what I'm gonna give it. But like, it's it's a three. It's a three out of twenty for me. Like it, it is so so safe yeah it is such a safe album mm-hmm. and the subject matter especially for someone who does have like a large internet following which then means consequently a large amount of young people are very much in like fans super fans stands whatever mm-hmm. you know and for someone to release an album that for the first time ever even in like their own words, they're like, "Oh, is this too much? Is this too real? Is this too personal?" Right, and it's so underwhelming. And it's it's just so. It just doesn't. I personally don't feel like it conveys emotion, really. Right. It just kind of feels like it's yeah, that's what I was going through at the time, and that is what I was thinking at the time. And here's some pretty simple musical production choices to go along with it, and lyrics that. Yeah, see, that's part of it too. Is that it doesn't it doesn't tough. it doesn't feel like the music is written. It, it doesn't feel like the music exists uh, to convey the particular emotions that he's trying to convey. It feels like right. the music exists as a platform for him to use, to put his lyrics on. It feels like these are. Um, it's very possible that like the music already existed, and he's like, oh, I could use this for like something else I was working on, but I'm I, I really need to process. My father's passing, which is totally valid, but as a as a piece of art, 
Yeah. It just I it doesn't feel very cohesive. No. I, so I'm giving um, it I'm I I gotta give it a three out of twenty. Well, speaking I, of missed opportunities, yeah. I feel like we would be remiss to not give it a four out of twenty, Josh. Oh yeah? That's the weed number. <sighs> um and also I would say that uh <sighs> safe and boring. I would say that safe <sighs> No, continue. Sorry. I, I would say that safe and boring is better than bad. Ooh, okay. I don't think that this is a bad album. Okay. Um, I don't think that this is. Uh, I don't think that this is something that if somebody was like, "Yeah, this is like my all-time favorite album," I'd be like, "Okay, remind me to never listen to anything <laughs> you have to say about music ever again." Okay. It's something that I'd be like, "Okay, this definitely isn't for me." But like, okay, I wouldn't discredit your opinion about this art form. Okay, um, I, it would just—it's a very—it's a very safe, it's a very yeah. safe album. Um, I, I like you know, and I—I'm I'm giving it one higher than right. You. No, I, it's not I, like it's a big. Um, yeah, I—I I feel like it shouldn't go in the. It, I feel like it shouldn't go in the bottom three because I feel like that would be. I feel like that would say be saying that it's a bad album, mm. not mm. this is a boring album. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, well, and I and that is also my argument. My explanation is also also my argument as to why saying. I should go. Uh, um, with would you, would you like to know where it it lands with a f- with a three out of twenty and with a four out of twenty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so with a three out of twenty, it lands right in between. 10 by Pearl Jam and Wasteland Baby by Hoisier. With a 4 out of 20, it lands right in between Big Mess by Danny Elfman and 10 by Pearl Jam. Wait. Oh, 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 I see. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking backwards. No, you're totally Um, fine. So, here's my thing. Um... That 10 by Pearl Jam is an albatross on this list right now. Um, uh, also, technically, we gotta. Ah, oh, fuck! You're right. Uh, gotta do do one one of these. <laughs> um. So really, in my mind, mm-hmm. this comes down to: Do I think Ten by Pearl Jam is better or worse? Is better or worse? And this is a weird and place that... to fucking be, man. Yeah. Those are two, you know talk what? About two very different albums. I would put it. I would put it under ten. Real? Oh, mm. um, because Expand. well, that's the thing. At, at you know, we we went on for a long time about Ten by Pearl Jam. Some um, some say too long. <laughs> Who? <laughs> I need to have a conversation with them. <laughs> um, no, uh, ten. But but the thing is that album. Not singularly, but uh, very well represents a transitional point in music. Um, mm-hmm. In in popular music in the U.S. Time and place album for it's sure. A, it's a very much a time and place album. Um, I do appreciate a lot of things about that album. I feel like there are a lot of a lot of songs on that album that could be a lot better. Right. But I at least understand the motivation behind a lot of the decisions made, even uh-huh. if I don't think that those motivations are justified. Hmm. Uh, if that makes sense. I see what you're saying. Like, so, so why are you saying 10 should be above it? Because then? 
I don't understand any like I don't understand any motivations behind the decisions that don't make sense to me on this album. Mm, okay. Like the things about Ten by Pearl Jam that I don't like that I would change. There's at least like an explanation. Like these guys grew up listening to this kind of music, or this is the music. This is what the music landscape looked like in right. that in that time and place. Right. Or uh, this is what they were going for, but they didn't know. Like this was their very first album, and they weren't able to reach that level yet, or whatever. You, you um, can explain away the mistakes or the sh- shortcomings. Well, I wouldn't say explain away so I, much as just explain. But okay. <laughs> uh, versus, you know, with this album, uh, maybe not not uh, as much. You know, there's a there's a wealth of of music to draw from mm. in uh, in this vein in this uh, realm of you know, I mean, uh, deep emotional. Uh, um, uh, a connection from performer to listener. Yeah. And I mean, even I'm, there are plenty of albums specifically about dealing with loss. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe it was intentionally written in a vacuum, but completely ignoring those things. Um, right. but from that was produced something that's not very noteworthy to me. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. Um, like I just, it just feel, it just sucks because knowing the subject matter, it's just like, Oh, you're like, yeah, no, absolutely. But we're not, we're not know, ranking know, trauma, Josh. We're, <laughs> we're ranking albums. Welcome to tape makers. We're, we're <laughs> dramas. That's our new t-shirt. We're, that's our first t-shirt. First t-shirt. We're not Welcome ranking tape makers. We're not ranking trauma. <laughs> I feel like that's a really bad Facebook ad. <laughs> like t-shirt of like, I'm a cowboy and I don't rank trauma, I rank cattle. <laughs> so we're giving it a three out of twenty, um, and it's gonna slot right in between ten by Pearl Jam and Wasteland Baby by Hoisier. Uh which you know, you've got your personal vendetta against Wasteland Baby. I would put it like like no, listen. But, I'm willing to have this conversation. No, <laughs> I'm willing to have willing this to conversation. Have conversation. No, I'm perfectly content with Wasteland Baby being uh, being second to last. Okay. Um, but no, I'm saying that like uh, if you were to ask me which of these two albums I'd rather listen to, I would easily say Wasteland Baby. Uh, like, n- wouldn't even think too hard about it. So here's the thing. Um, I agree with you so much. Like, Wait, does that I, I mean think... that we have to bump it down? <laughs> Fuck. Um, I think Wasteland Baby is a much more complete album. Certainly. I think what it, he goes for on that album is more interesting. How he misses is more interesting. It is more musically complex. But we need to remember also that that album was like an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, and cost how much money to produce? <laughs> a lot. I don't remember specific. It wasn't as much as Loveless cost. I know that much. But, <laughs> but you remember how you, Do you remember the, the laundry list of names? That, that, it was so many people, yeah. No. Uh, um, j- hmm. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to give this to Tom because it is uh, it is more of a a solo thing and I think the there are more highlights on this album than I think there are highlights on Wasteland Baby. 
and that is the only thing I think overall. You know what? Yeah, overall, I don't disagree. Oh, I think that like there's at least some. Well, I don't know about every song, but like there there's a considerable number of songs through the course of us discussing this album that I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I actually really enjoyed this one piece of it. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one piece of this song. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed this one piece of this song. I, I think it's obvious um, that like why he became very popular on YouTube. Like he he does have really good songwriting within him it just doesn't manifest as full songs yeah unfortunately versus wasteland on the album. baby literally has like two tracks that i like yeah and the rest, <laughs> and of, the rest it of it is just like why are you doing this thing no okay but he listen i was willing to have that conversation yeah no that's that's so uh... that that just kind of tells you where we honestly going into this week i knew this was going to be like probably the lowest rated album of like albums we've done as that, a, as that's a pair. why i waited till the last minute to listen to these albums <laughs> but yeah no i feel i i feel like our irish babe needs to needs to stay in between the two yeah i think that's fine yeah all right wonderful so uh we're at 20 albums let me tell you about the top five. The top five albums have not changed at all. Uh, the top five albums are still Eons by Mimicking Birds as the top album of all time ever. Best album ever written. No better music has ever been recorded. At least that we've talked about. Yeah, as far as we're aware. As far as we're aware. Uh, Pieces of a Man by Gil Scott Heron is number two. Let It Die by Feist is number three. Boarding House Reach by Jack White, number four. And then number five is I Go Missing in My Sleep by Wilson. Where the most shakeup has happened is mm. our uh, least good five. Our uh, thank you for trying top five. Maybe next time five. Uh, coming in at number sixteen, being the fifth worst album we've ever talked about. It's Big Mess by Danny Elfman. Which okay, and I listen. <laughs> I think that by the time we do our next episode. I think it'll have been long enough, and I think you should you should give that album another shot. I will give it another shot, but once the this is the list, we can't just willy nilly switch the list around. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that like we need to redo it and that it needs to get changed in the rankings. I'm just saying maybe on a personal to, level, maybe we. I think that enough time has passed, and you will appreciate that album more. Okay, we'll we'll have a we'll have a section where we we do some revisiting. <laughs> um. But the fourth worst album of all time is Ten by Pearl Jam. Like that's just that's just a fact. Yeah, that's unavoidable. That's that's yeah. The the third the third least good is Dennis Was a Bird by Tom Rosenthal, which you just spend more time with the lyrics, I guess. I don't know, I don't know, guy. Um and the music. And yeah, production and See, that's the other thing too, is that like so I think really good music can save bad lyrics. Right. I it's a lot harder for really good lyrics to save boring music. Right. Um and so those lyrics would have to be fucking stellar for me to say that it's Yeah. Yeah. And, see, that's the other thing too is that I feel like I feel like uh I feel like it was to this album's detriment in terms of the musicality that I only listened to it once. I feel like there's probably some more interesting musical stuff going on in there that I just didn't catch the first time around. Um, but if that's the case, 
that was likely due to the production decisions that, right. that I wasn't that I wasn't picking up on those things. I, I mean, as, if they're there, <laughs> as someone who's listened to this album on and off for the last four weeks, I don't think you're really missing all that much. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Still a better album than Wasteland Baby by Hoysier, which is the second worst album of all time, because obviously the absolute worst album we've talked about so far is the Changes in Latitudes. Changes in Attitudes by Jimmy Buffett. And along be- without the others. Which I'm so excited for me to always say that album for the next ever. If that if that leaves the bottom five, I will be shocked. Open invitation. Send us your worst album recommendations. Internet, just give us give us your shit. Give us something that will knock Changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes by Jimmy Buffett out of the bottom spot. Can't have one without the other. <laughs> Can't have one without the other. All right. So let's, uh, albums that might potentially knock it out of the bottom, though. Let's move over to our list. Oh, shucks. Yeah, let me grab the die. All right. So we are going back to a, uh, regular episode where we are, uh, pulling from our own personal lists and we're rolling a 10-sided die uh, between 1 and 10 and we have albums assigned to each number. I will go first. Yeah. That is a 9? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Alright, awesome. So that means we are doing The Crane Wife by The Decemberists. Alright, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm I feel like I've never given the Decemberists a fair shake. Oh, I I feel like the Decemberists are either going to be one of those bands who are like, wow, well, this is really good, or like, man, this is just boring pop shit. So I'm very excited to see uh, where you come down on that. And uh, Jared, you are rolling for yours right now. Indeed. Uh, we're looking at a seven. Ooh, and that means we are doing Mass Education or Mass Seduction by St. Vincent. If you know, wait, which one did the, the, the those are two different things. Which one is it? It's it's mass it's mass education. Yeah, mass education. Yeah, mass education. That that wait. the 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 double meaning within the way that it the album is spelled is why I said both. It's it's mass education, but also no, it's mass seduction. I'm saying mass education and mass seduction are two different St. Vincent things. Oh. See, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if they're both albums or if one's like oh. a live thing of the other thing. or what. I, oh. I don't know. But they are two different things. Okay. And mass I, seduction is what's on my list. Okay, so we're actually doing mass seduction. Sorry, that's on me. I thought it was one of those like, it's a double meaning depending on, depending on how you read it. Ooh la la. No, it's, uh, I, I think that they are two different albums or it's like a double album thing or something. I don't know. I haven't you know looked what? into it. We're going to find out next episode, for oh, sure. We are. Yeah. Uh, very excited. I'm very excited. I, I have not actually listened to the St. Vincent album. Yeah. I, uh, I've i been meaning to listen to more St. Vincent than the two and a half albums that I've listened to. That is fair. Uh, Jared, we fucking reviewed some albums. Uh, again, thank you to my father and to Jacqueline for recommending the albums. Uh, sorry, we did not have the, the best time listening to them. Sorry. But you know what? That's just music. That's how music be sometimes. That's how music be sometimes. That's how music be sometimes. Thank you all for uh, following along with us, listening to us uh, chat about the music, chat about a pretty sub standard music at, at, at that but hopefully it was entertaining hopefully you had fun uh 
as always, you know, follow us online. Tell your friends about us. Again, rate and review. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on we're on all the goods. Uh, Jared, what do we tell the people every single time we log off? Uh, learn your knots, kids. Thank you.